Welcome to the Refuge Project. This is a jam-packed, action-filled week this week. I am Pastor Caesar. We got Pastor David here and the Bearded Wonder, James. Yeah, I'm really going to call me the Bearded Wonder, okay? <laughs> we have some exciting topics for you today. Talking about sex, drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and chocolate rain. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> it's a little all over the place. But, uh, yeah, welcome back. Hope you're enjoying this. It's really fun to be doing this. Um, but yeah, hey, James, let's talk about it, man. What do you got for us? It's act, it's a really short story. So my job was to come up with an interesting current event. So this is what I found. There's a town in Switzerland. I believe it was Switzerland. And they had a chocolate factory. This is so stereotypical starting off, but this is, <laughs> this is the truth. Swiss chocolate. And uh, their factory had some kind of malfunctioning with their ventilation. And so a lot of the uh, cocoa powder that was supposed to be going into chocolates and all, it got redirected. So it ended up shooting up in the air. And uh, they had really strong winds that uh, when this was going on, the winds took it up and it ended up, it was literally raining chocolate on the nearby town. What a delicious problem. Wow, right? Yeah. yeah. It was all like cocoa powder and stuff. I the, wish uh, I could have been there. <laughs> so the factory's statement was something like, they just explained what happened. They say, hey, we're real sorry about that. We'll pay for any damages, but you shouldn't have to worry about anything. It's just a little cocoa powder. It's basically cocoa. it. Imagine what the insurance companies, though. They're like damaged by, by chocolate. Right? <laughs> Too much chocolate on you my You can part. see it on the next, like, uh, Allstate uh, commercial. Or the, you, we've seen everything. Yeah. It is the cocoa powder fa- falling out of the sky onto <laughs> a car. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. That was the interesting current event. Well, I tell you, I know running around as a kid, you try to catch raindrops on your tongue or whatever, and then out there, you know, running around trying to catch cocoa powder on your tongue. That would have been way better right. than Houston's. <laughs> or acid rain. Yeah, yeah, toxic, yeah toxic as, rain. as a Pasadena resident, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're worrying about other things falling down from the sky than cocoa powder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Man, that's awesome. I got a little bit of something t- today, too. Uh, so... A couple of weeks ago, there was a report that came out of the Pentagon saying that they they found some UFOs, right? Yeah. And I don't know if y'all seen that report or whatever, but it was just kind of kind of weird. Like, okay, they say that aliens are real, and it just kind of gets brushed under the, like the the rug because there's so many like riots and mm-hmm. you know uh, Trump stuff that's going on sure. and there's pandemics, shark bites, and uh, so and they're like, this is a perfect time to tell everybody. Aliens are real, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, but it, I thought it was pretty interesting where they dropped three videos of these fighter pilots tracking these UFOs and they were like going against the wind at, you know, the, the wind was like a hundred and something knots or whatever. And, and the fighter pilots just could not believe what they were seeing. Um, but I, I don't want to debate like are aliens real or not, <laughs> because we really don't know. But. Kind of one of the fun things I was thinking about, what if aliens are real and they do land here and they're like, hey, you want to take a ride? Would you go? Uh, I don't know. How? What do they look like? Are they nice? <laughs> are they nice aliens? Okay. <laughs> what if they're the big head green with the big eyes? Those are aliens. Would you go? Or it has, to, it has to be more human looking. I, well, further, I don't think they're asking me for a ride. I think they're talking to a lot of other people before they talk to me. But 
If I got the option, I'd, I'd take a ride. Why would take I take a ride? a ride? Yeah, why not? Take a ride to space and back? Quick yeah. so, quick little caveat into that. Why is it that whenever you hear talks about, like, these encounters, it's always, like, some Midwest farmer, <laughs> you know? It, it's, like, it's never, like, somebody in River Oaks or, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right. It's always some, some remote area and, the, like, the most... Uh, it's weird. Well, if it was somebody uh, in a dignified position, we'll say. I mean, that's probably like the government cover-up stuff where they're not talking about it there. Whereas if it happened to some farmer or something, he's telling everybody, everybody. and their friends. I think I, I like. I don't really know if like aliens are real or not because like Donald Trump, President Trump, is going to tell everybody everything. He won't be able to keep that quiet, right? He's just going to be like, "There's aliens." Or they're so secret, they're like, nobody tell Trump, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But I think I would jump up, I'd jump up on a, uh, you know, I would just, like, try to be friends with them. Because, I mean, if they could get here, they might have some, like, crazy, like, lasers or something, and, you know. Uh, Imagine that meeting with with President Trump and the aliens. I met them, and they're, they're, they're great people. They're incredible. They're, they're great. And they're Trump supporters. <laughs> For sure. They said in all of the known universe, they haven't met somebody that is a leader. Quite like me, and I think that speaks a lot. That's right. <laughs> they think our economy is tremendous. <laughs> uh, oh, aliens. Aliens. I, when I read that story, I was just like, what is going on you, here? You know, from, from, a, from, from like a, just a, a, a theology standpoint, because you've been a youth pastor, and you've been a youth pastor for many years yeah. as well. Um, you get asked a whole bunch of crazy questions. I remember somebody came, one of the students came up to me and said, now, pastor. Flat Earth. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't care. It doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't it doesn't uh, take away what was done at the cross. Right. Right. And I would feel that's the same thing when it comes to aliens. Right. And look at some of these uh, look at some of these stories that you see in the Bible with, uh, you know, like in Ezekiel. Right. You see the, 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 the cherubim. And those are some. Freaky looking creatures, aliens. Yeah, I mean that we would describe them as aliens. There's six wings, eyes all over their bodies. There, this glow about them, and they're you know it, it's just there's some weird stuff in the Bible. I mean, and and, and you know you're like, well, are you saying that aliens exist? I'm saying that God can do whatever He wants to do. I've seen some funny looking people, so I mean, you know, He can make those, so He can make aliens as well, but. You know, you get asked these kind of questions from time to time. And, you know, does the existence of aliens somehow make the cross invalid? You know, absolutely not. I I, I, I venture to believe that God is so big and so amazing that he can make whatever he wants. And there's nothing in Scripture that says he only made humans. Right. You can't find it. Right. You can't find it. I do know that humanity is the apex of his creation and we are we are chosen. We are in his likeness where uh, we we have rights that like angels don't even have. Right. We we are definitely chosen. So, you know, if aliens exist, I, I know that Jesus didn't come in the form of an alien. He came in the form as somebody that looked like me. Right. And I think, you know, we don't have to spend a bunch of time on that, but we could. Um <laughs> But I think like the Bible was written for us, right? There might be an alien Bible out there somewhere from in some other galaxy that he would just like, okay, here's your path to heaven too, you know? 
and maybe one, you know, we're going to be chilling with the aliens in heaven. <laughs> Hopefully there's only one heaven and there's not like an alien heaven, only human <laughs> heaven, and a dog heaven, you know what I'm saying? All dogs but we'll all end. just be chilling together be like, man, how was it out there on the spaceships, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, where they're all in these like big heads or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it's pretty interesting that some of these stuff that the, the Pentagon's coming down is like, okay, aliens are real and nobody cares right now. Nobody cares. Isn't that weird? I'm just, that, I mean, that's that's some monumental things taking place. And it's like, no, I'd rather go burn a building down and be mad at everybody. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Also, wow. they're not calling them UFOs anymore. I think they're rebranding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now they're, uh, they're is it UAFs? It's like unidentified aerial phenomenons or something like that. They, it's like it's the same thing except yeah, that, they change so the letters. P. Yeah, it still is. starts with a U, I think. Yeah, that's just some more of that, you know, modern day. Yeah, instead of flying object, it's like aerial phenomenon. That or something that, like that. That thing makes me think that aliens are real because somebody got one of the aliens got their feelings hurt about what they were called, <laughs> so they changed the acronym for forms to make it feel better. I think it's just UFO already has this connotation with it, <laughs> yeah. and so they're like trying to be a little more serious Look, about we're stuff. not big so headed like, green creatures, yeah, insensitive well, jerks. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, let's not get off on aliens too much anymore, but we got a, we got a good um, uh, topic for today. Pastor Caesar, t- tell us what we're going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about three different things, and each one of these things that we devote, we can definitely devote enough time to each one of them. But we're going to start off with, the, uh, with okay. I guess, the most lighthearted one, which uh, it's a topic in and of itself. You can make a whole radio show based on this. But uh, yeah, let's talk about music. And I'll deem this rock and roll, but it really is just music. Um, I'm a musician. Uh, James is a musician, very accomplished musician. And Pastor David, he's been involved in music for, for all his life in many different many different facets. Um and music is something very important. Not only not only the 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 religious side of it, but then just just in the, in the, in the secular side. We know that all secular music isn't isn't all you know uh, blood guts hell and glorifying the devil. Um, there's some there's some Christians that would like you to believe that if it's not. <laughs> something gospel related that you're going to yeah. burn, but that's, that's just, that's taking it way too far. Elvis is shaking his hip too that's much. Right. Yeah. That's Quit right. shaking your hips. And, and that definitely, you know, that topic is that when you start talking about music, especially uh, in worship and those kind of things, that, that, that's a whole nother thing, but let's just start off light, maybe a little superficial, a little two dimensionals on the surface. Let's just skim it a little bit. Uh, what makes good music? What, what are the elements, the components of good music? James, you got anything on that? I mean, I could rant about this stuff. Rant, man. Let's rant. Let's way do it. too long. Well, okay, so the question is, what makes good music? <sighs> Unfortunately, music is an art form, quote, and you're not allowed to really judge art because it's all subjective. Oh, I'm judging. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> but it's one of those things you could talk about for forever, and at the end just be like, well, it's subjective, I like it, so it's good, or I don't like it, so it's bad. But to me, I like... To me, if it's a good song, quote unquote, good song, it's got to have either really great lyrics and where it's good enough to where the music isn't all that important, or it's the opposite, where the music is so interesting and fun to listen to, you don't really care about the lyrics. But then the best songs, good, interesting music with great lyrics. That's to me. And what do you think interesting song is? I mean, that's all like up to you, but. I know. I think it's got to have some kind of musical part that makes you say, "I this is interesting. I like 
hearing this sounds cool, sounds whatever. And then hopefully the lyrics are also good too. Mm-hmm. But if one or the other is good enough, you can kind of get away with having kind of boring music. You know, you, you like lots of country songs. It's like three chords and it's nothing, but the lyrics are so heartfelt and it's a good story or whatever that you still listen to this song. And then there's lots of like, maybe we'll say dance techno songs. It's got no lyrics or it's got one lyric that they say every now and then, but the beat so oomph, oomph, feels so good. <laughs> you don't even care, you know? But then, of course, like I said, the best ones, I think, are like interesting music that also has something to say good, too. But yeah. uh, I don't know, that's a that's a little quick little something. Also. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that the great thing about music is there's so many different types of music. Yeah. Right. And I kind of wish like society looked like our playlist. You know, it, it's just from one extreme to the other. You have, you know, different genres all through them. But for for a, a good song for me, it depends on my mood, right? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a hip hop head from you know from the early '90s, and I think that for for that side of that genre, like the MC is everything. The lyrics they have to be top notch, and like yeah. James said, that you can come in with a simple beat, but if those lyrics are really saying something, then um, then you can pass it off. Mm-hmm. And I think that throughout history on the hip hop side, because I, I can't say a whole lot for a different other genres, but rappers up until now ha- had something to say. It was reflecting what was going on in their environment. It was them struggling to get out of certain uh, injustices or different things like that. Now, a hip-hop is, it all sounds the same, right? Well, it's more about the beat now. Yeah, it's more more about, because everybody now has a studio in their house, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that gives us the ability to um, to really hear a lot of get different good music, but at the same time, they're like, okay, that made him $30 million, so I'm going to do the same exact thing mm-hmm. and try to make that same $30 million. But for a good song, I think it has to have a good vibe, Um it has to, for me, it's it's not even about one song. So I'm still like the guy that buys the whole album. Yeah. Right. I'm not me the, mm-hmm. I'm not the one song, you know, purchase the 99 cent song or whatever. Body of work. Yeah. The body of work. So I feel like that a whole album makes up a really good song because you can, you know, you can put like a, the single up top, you know, one, two or three, but if that all ties into one story and at the end, you were like, wow, mm-hmm. that was that's what I was looking for. And I think a, a lot of artists these days are missing that, you know, because when I came, when I was started listening to music, you would get 15, 16, 17 songs on an album. Mm-hmm. Now it's like 10. Yeah. So it's harder to tell that story. Yeah. Well, what you described is definitely the minority of people. Most people these days, they're not looking for a full album. They just want whatever the hot single is right. or whatever. And I'm not opposed to getting a single, you know, whatever. Do you think? But uh, I... If I'm going to say I really like this band or I really like this artist, I'm not going to say it unless I like most of the stuff they do. If they've got a great song or two, if they, if they had an album with 10 songs and I only like two of them, I might still have those two songs and be like, yeah, it's a good song. But I'm not necessarily going to be like, I really like that band, though. I'll right. just be like, I like that one song from that band or whatever. But if I have to hit skip more than twice, I'm probably <laughs> yeah. not going to stay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, honestly, it, most albums I have... Uh, even if it's an album that I say, I really, really like this album. If it's got 10 songs on it, there's probably like two, 
at least there's probably like two on there that I almost never listen to. Right. It's you just know, even if vibe, it's a right? great album. Yeah. But uh, the best ones are the ones you can just put on, and then the whole album's awesome. And yeah. You, yeah, I like those. But right, and of course we're talking about this. Uh, I think mostly with a Western perspective because there's mm-hmm. there's just other things that exist out there that. Um, but you know, and I think a lot about this as well. Again, you know, just just being a musician myself, but just a lover of music. Um, I, I like looking at the history, what changed uh, throughout the, the the course of history, especially in these modern times. And I, I know a lot of people, definitely a lot of uh, a lot of like web influencers, YouTubers, and stuff like that. They talk about this to, to you know to to a crazy depth that, that I will never get to, but. You know, you look at something like uh, like in the 80s, whenever, whenever, like you're talking about, everybody has a studio now. In the 80s, the personal computer started being more and more available. Different tools uh, in the studio were made available. Uh, James, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might pronounce this wrong, but uh, quantize? Quantize. Quantize. Yeah. Quantize. That's the word. That's your word for today. Quantize. <laughs> so what that does, it uh, essentially, it, it, it puts all your beats on that measure and you can move it and you can fluctuate it however you want as long as it's on that downbeat you can put it on the downbeat or whatever. you can put it on any beat that you want but it makes your music very very uniform and in the studio you know that all the musicians all the lyricists or vocalists all that they're singing to a click track now mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, in case you don't know what that is that's a, it's a metronome it just it keeps constant time that's what it's for and then in the studio you can go back you can cut you can paste you can move it around and it's always going to fall on that beat and what ends up happening is you lose what musicians call the feel some call it the groove and uh, some some musicians can get very very good at playing with it and they can still groove with it but it's 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 either they're falling a little behind it or a little in front of it to make sure they can still capture that essence of of a human playing those kind of things. And whenever I know this is getting like this is probably getting a little deeper, but I, I think music really, really not died, but definitely took a, a pretty fatal blow whenever that came out. Now I'm a I, I love playing with click. I'm a I'm a I'm a click player, but um, you look at it like a classic album. You look at something like like Bohemian Rhapsody, right? You look at that that song, that record. Uh, that's no click track at all. That yeah. was that was none. You you listen to all the instrumentation and the vocals and all all that was done. And and if you take a click track to that record, you know it, it's it's never going to it's it's constantly going to fluctuate over yeah. and over. But yet, whenever we hear you know, is this the real life? We already know we're about to start. We're, we're going to jam. We're going to go back to Wayne's World in that in that part whenever Wayne's it comes world. in. Absolutely right. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, you know, in the 80s and all of this happened, and then it's really interesting on how this movement and, and all these tools that were taking place on the secular side, how now they are in CCM, Christian Contemporary Music, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, you, you, any, any popular band right now that is uh, a Christian band, um, they are so much of what they're doing. Look at somebody like uh, the U2's The Edge, Mm-hmm. All of all of the ambient stuff that he was that he, that he was doing on on the guitar and all those yeah. kind of things, um, maybe at that time you would never expect that to be in a church, but now that's that's the that's the hallmark of yeah, what a lot of, of what we do in contemporary uh, Christian music, right? 
And just how there's this interplay between what happened back then and how it's coming in now. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is it art? Is it subjective? Does art, can art have a place in worship that way? Uh, I, I believe that it can. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, this is a very important topic. Um, and again, we have other topics to get to, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But this leads and this segues into this next topic that I want to talk about, because we know that music is the voice of the culture, regardless of your race, ethnicity, whatever. Music is a voice. It, 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 it explains a certain moment in time, right? And it lets us know what the feelings of the people are. It lets us know what's being felt in a way that really can communicate to the soul more than like any piece of legislation can and all of that. Uh, songwriters and, and, and people that invest themselves into this, they, they are the voice of the people. And usually that's why they're always up front. But now, um, and this has happened again, probably since the 50s. You talked about Elvis earlier uh, with the whole sexual revolution and all that, 50s yeah. into the 60s with the hip shaking and all that stuff. Um and really, if you look at some of the stuff back then, uh, what we're doing now seems like, you know, you know, it's it, what's now is X rated right. completely. Mm -hmm. I think if uh, the older generation would have saw what we see now, they, they just would have killed over. And, and because it's crazy, you know, and not too, not too many weeks ago, um, Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion released a song called WAP and Don't Look It Up. Uh, not unless, <laughs> you know, not unless you want to venture into those waters and all that. But why do you know about it? Because I'm a youth pastor. Exactly. You know, because I talk to teenagers. Yeah. Uh, teenagers don't, you know, they're not you. So give a little grace, but whatever. I don't need your approval. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, and this song came out and, and it's an acronym and I definitely won't tell you what it is, but it's, it's highlighting the uh, female genitalia. Okay. And it's a, uh, it's a very promiscuous song and promiscuity in music, I mean, we all know sex sells. That's what the that's what the business tells you, right? Sex sells. Um, but you, a, a, again, and a lot of my views are very are very geared toward young people because that's who I minister to. That's who I'm around all the time. And this this perversion of sex uh, and things dealing uh, that are of a sexual nature. Whenever we talk about that as a church, and I believe the church needs to have a response to sex, because God made sex. God made, uh, uh, well, what we talk about, eros, that's the word that he uses for that. It's a romantic love. It's not a platonic love that exists between friends, but this is a romantic love that exists between a man and a woman uh, in the bonds of holy matrimony, right? But that's that's eros. That's a Greek word. Um, whenever we're talking about the subject, but... It, I find that in modern culture, it's all about sex and it's only focusing in on the, the, the physical parts and not everything else that accompanies it. And our, our young people, our, 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 our college age people, our mid 30 people, and really all people. We suffer. We suffer because all we hear and all we are, we're inundated with sex, 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 sex. And, you know, I, first of all, I guess the question that I want to get to is what do you think is an, is an appropriate response from the church dealing with sex? Well, 
I think that when when you talk about sex and you see the um the the way that the world uses um sex to commercialize their products and different things like that it's always tied back to some type of revolution right so in the 60s it was like you know the women were stepping out and their women rights and different things like that and i think that we're we're seeing that same thing again in the sixties, the women wanted their own rights, and they wanted they wanted the right to be able to go and do and the love, power, love, and uh, flower power, and all that different things like that. Um, and then, so we went through that, and then now in the two thousands, it's okay for a man to to sleep around, right? Oh, you know, oh man, what's up? What's up? Give me dabs on that, this and that, or and, and it's kind of like a macho thing for a man to go around and sleep around with a bunch of men. So naturally, what what we're seeing is we're seeing the women say, if it's okay for the man, then it's okay for me too. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see songs like that. That's why you see uh, people like Cardi B that are very sexually uh, uh, motivated in their music. Um, And as far as the church, I think that we have to be able to talk about it. Uh, but be able to talk about it in a real way. So many times that we're like, hey, you know, we really need to have that talk. Mm-hmm. What talk are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't want to say, well, you know, just sit down. Let's talk about the birds and the bees. Well, well, we, well no, 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 no. Let's talk about sex. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're just so scared of, of bringing that word up that we never get to the point and we never are able to get real with the people that we're talking about. They've already seen it. Yeah. They've, if your kid has a a uh, smartphone, they have a direct connect to pornography, mm-hmm. to videos that talk about it, to um, their favorite artists that are uh, spelling it out in whatever art that they see. Yeah. So I think the response from the church is that we have to get out in front of it, that we need to talk about it, that it doesn't need to have some type of a weirdness feeling to it um but because that it's never been talked about is there's gonna have to be some people uh in the culture that's very respected to say hey this is the direction that the church needs to go and just like any any other any other uh movement somebody has to stand up in front of it and lead it yeah yeah the shame that results from that is kind of you know why is there shame and it takes me back to you know the garden whenever Whenever uh, Adam was talking to God, it says, well, we're naked. And then God tells him, well, how'd you know you're naked? Yeah, who told you? Yeah, who told you you're naked? How do you, how do you even know what that is? Why why does the shame, uh, you know, why is there, like you're talking about, it's a taboo topic. Right, to be exactly. able To be able to talk like that and open um, um, uh, about that subject. Um, James, you were raised in church. Um, you know, what, 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 were, what were you taught? What, what did you hear whenever you were a young guy? As far as on that topic, was it just like a, like a, don't do it, and if you do it, you're gonna die and go to hell, or like related to music, or just in general? Well, just in general. Well, you know, my my parents never really talked about much of anything. It, it, if it was uncomfortable for them, they probably just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, any kind of, uh, I guess, say information I got, it's all from like going to school, just whatever you see in your day-to-day life. And like you said, it's in all sorts of advertising songs, whatever. Like I wouldn't even have to, like you said, uh, you know, if you got a smartphone, you got access to everything. 
Well, I didn't have a phone till like later in junior high. And then it definitely wasn't a smartphone for forever, but obviously I knew about stuff before then. Uh, you, you don't even have to be like actively seeking out that kind of information yeah. for it to just be, you're going to see it on an ad. Like, so yeah, my, my parents were the ones who were like, if, uh, a commercial comes up and the girls in the bikini, my dad would, Hey, change the channel real quick. Why are y'all watching that stuff? <laughs> yeah, change, 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 change. Cover you your know, eyes, cover your eyes. That kind of stuff. But it's like, I, I'm going to see that everywhere, anywhere, you know, regardless of whether I'm even looking for it or not. Yeah. And then if you want to look for it, it's just that much easier. So, uh, for me, I just always, anything I, I came across about that subject. It was just from just everyday life, just meeting kids and, you know, you do always have like the pervy friends that are just making jokes all the time about it. Like, right. You just, or they might come with that one little tear out from the magazine. Hey, look at this. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know. I think that the problem is that we try to filter it instead of telling the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it is uncomfortable for us. Yeah. I can remember, uh, when uh, one of my sons, you know, he was a teenager and started being the dating age and, you know, we was up cleaning up. I don't, I don't know if it was in, uh, our, our, his room, I think we were in the media room and we were just going through stuff and his wallet was there and it had the, like the, the wallet ring, you know what I mean? <laughs> it had that perfect size ring mm-hmm. on it. And uh, so we I opened it up and pulled it out. And I was just <laughs> the like, wallet ring. I never heard I've never heard of that. <laughs> so it, and, you know, it was a condom. Yeah. Um, so we had to have that talk like, okay, why are you having a condom? Are you sexually active? What are those things? And, and so it, it made it to be like, for me, it's not a big deal, but for mom, it was a little bit of a big deal to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we have to have those conversations early on before you find the wallet ring, you yeah. know, before you find that they are sexually active. And then, you know, the good thing about him was that, like, he was very open and honest with us yeah. because we made it feel like, okay, we're not scared of the subject. Yeah. Let's let's talk about it. No. Yeah, and I think that's important because— uh, like we said, so if you're like in my situation where nobody really talks to you about anything, you're still going to get that information. And if nobody, if you don't have a parent or somebody that actually knows what they're talking about, the information you're getting is from the other stupid little junior high kids. And, you know, they're all lying about stuff and they don't know what they're talking about. So it's like way, way more useful to just have that conversation with right. your parent or whoever it is, you know, yeah, actually get accurate information, you know. And when's like when's the age, right? Because I remember whenever I was in middle school, there was a girl that already had a baby. Yeah. You know, our program here at church, we we start we start with seventh graders, twelve, thirteen years old or whatever. They then they are fully versed in too late everything. Yeah, that's way too late. But I've also felt that if I bring up that subject, that uncomfortable feeling, even from the student side, that they hear from their they hear from their friends all day. But whenever their youth pastor says something mm-hmm. about it, now it's like let's blush. You're like, wait a minute, you weren't blushing whenever you were, uh-huh. you know, whenever you were with your friends uh, yeah. getting all, you know, right. hamming it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think it's good. So young people know real, right? And that's what they, you talk to them, they just want somebody that's real. Um, and I think that it's got to be in, in, in a setting that is vulnerable mm-hmm. where they can, they can just say, okay, you know, and, and just be able to be in that place where they can share their heart. Um but like 12 years old, like that's too late because, you know, you got guys are going through puberty already. Girls are, you know, starting their cycles, some of them at 12 years old, that we really have to start teaching this stuff at a, at a really young age 
Um, say you start teaching it like at 10 years old through some very, you know, not aggressive type kids books or whatever, they're out there, you know, you can use it. So when the time comes when they're 11, 12 years old and you have that conversation, you've already set, you know, the plan in and they've already been, you know, familiarized with it already. And so then you, when you go in hard on them, they're like, okay, I understand the birds and the bees. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into something that's real. Yeah. Yeah. My first introduction to that. And as far as a formal school setting, I was already in high school. I was in ninth grade. And that's where they show you the, he was like, she was pregnant already. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's too late. You know, yeah, it's yeah. A, but that's where they show you the gonorrhea video yes. and all, it's all those pictures or, or things are yeah. just, you or know, the, or the health class with the banana and all that. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Health class, man. Yeah, that, that's just too late. Like, they're teaching you how to use it at that point. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's no, if there hasn't been any foundation beforehand, so your teacher is saying, this is how to use it, so go use it. Yeah. Basically, that's what kids are hearing, right? Yeah. Uh, so we have to be able to set the foundation early on in their life, just like we set the foundation of, of God in their life early on. We got to set the same, uh, same foundation. Okay, now here's God. Now everything underneath it has to be talked about, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a Christian responsibility for us to be teaching the younger generation. Not only not only things dealing with sex, but things dealing with with romance, intimacy, those kind of things. That's where I really believe that the older generation has to step up. I, I think a lot of times we just forget that we still have things that we need to do uh, while we're here on earth after we get saved. And and you know you don't have to. It's it's not just you worrying about your own family. It's a village that raises that raises the kids. And we all have a responsibility, the, the the older women, the older men, to to step up and to be that person that can hold them accountable, to be a source of information, of godly wisdom, uh, super important. And and what, what really, you know, spurred on this conversation for me and, and thinking about it was um, there's just a misconception, I think, of what biblical purity is. And I think the church throughout the the years has not just this church, all churches. So there you go, all of you churches. Um, throughout the years, we we've always told like whenever whenever we t- talk to our young people, stay pure, stay pure, stay pure until marriage. Have you heard that before? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard that before, James? Yeah, yeah. the purity yeah. ring and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. When you're yeah. yeah. Well, the problem I have with that, and it's good advice. It, it is good advice, saving yourself for marriage. But but the but the terminology. And the way that it's executed, I think it's very poor because picture this, okay? Um, what happens whenever that young man or that young lady, they, they're, they're on their wedding night now and they've they've heard all their life that, you, you know, you're pure up until the time, up, up, up until the time you're married and then you consummate your marriage. and But your purity is going to go now? Now your purity has gone? Now you're unpure. Now you're unpure right. because you got married and you're doing what God told you to do? Mm-hmm. that becomes, there are some huge psychological issues that can arise from that. Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, when you say that, I mean, you think, okay, you get you get told that sex is gross and it's bad and all these things, and then it comes to that point where, like, okay, now you're supposed to, so now it's not bad anymore, now it's not gross anymore, now mm-hmm. it's, it's okay. Um, I think that, like you said, that has some long-term uh Issues to how how especially a female um, is supposed to handle that on her her wedding night, you know, um, or even a male, really e- either one. So I think it's it's important that we talk about you know exactly what you're talking about. What does purity mean? Yeah, and, and your purity carries on 
even whenever you consummate your marriage, that is a pure act before God, but only in the way that he uh, prescribed, you know, and and how just how the world is able to take a godly principle through through avenues like music and those kind of things. But but something that God has instituted and just switch that around and make it to where now it's wrong for me. Ill, gross. Don't do that. Like some serious psychological and just some deep rooted issues can happen. And you are not making a victorious person. Right. That, that, that doesn't make for a victorious Christian. That doesn't make for an overcomer. That makes for somebody that's ashamed of, to be in their own skin and to enjoy what God has given Right. And 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 there's just, you know, for me, there's this weird interplay on how music and the culture and the voice of the culture, how it guides our minds into into things like sex and stuff where we have an alternative view of God and it it and what and godly principles. And it just it makes for a, a mess. And we have a we have churches all over the world filled with just mess of people because they they have so much baggage they didn't find out this stuff earlier and um and 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 you know and you know how you, we we can go back to music a little bit talking about the subconscious right mm-hmm. things that you listen to yeah. you know our ears are gateways just like our eyes are gateways the things that we listen to really do uh, uh invest themselves in our heart yeah. and we need to be super super careful like james i i, I really appreciate uh, your band eucalyptian that you're in man you and ben um I, I don't think i would ever classify you as a christian band i don't think you're that's what you're going for yeah. but in all of your music there is a deep meaning a message it is uplifting it yeah. good tunes um, you guys are fun to see on stage and, you know, and I can see art being expressed in a way that both. And, and don't get me wrong when it says glorifies God, not glorifies God in, 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 in a sense that what you're saying is, you know, like you're reading a Bible on stage. Yeah. But the values that, yeah. that is instilled in that. Yeah. I always have, uh, I always have well, not an issue, but I always, it, it's tough to describe to people when, uh, they say, well, like, like if they say what kind of music that they find out that, we, uh, I make music and they say, well, what kind of music do you play? And I, and I try to, even just the genre is kind of tough to tell. And then they know that I'm a Christian and stuff. And they'll be like, they'll say, well, is it a Christian band? And it's like, well, it's not a, it's not like a quote Christian band. We're not playing worship music, but I mean, I am a Christian. I have those values. So it only makes sense that it's going to kind of come up here and there. Yeah. So, yeah. So do you classify it as a, a Christian who makes music, but not Christian music? Is that what it is? Well, I think it's one of those, you, you guys know, um, oh, what's that comedian's name? Uh, Tim Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Tim, I think the guy is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's like a Christian comedian. Right. But I've seen interviews with him where they ask him like the same kind of thing. And he's like, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm just a comedian. I'm a Christian who is a comedian. He's like, you don't have Christian mailmen or Christian garbage men or whatever. You just have Christians doing right. these things. And I think it's kind of like that where, <clears throat> yeah, I'm a Christian making music. I'm not like trying specifically to not say Jesus in a song or something, but I'm also not like forcing it, trying to make like a worship song or whatever. Although I have tried to make worship songs before. It's really tough <laughs> to make <laughs> those things. Anytime I try to, I'll like, I might get a line down and then I'll write some more stuff, and I'm like, oh, great, this isn't a worship song anymore. <laughs> and, uh, but no, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think there, I don't think there needs to be a category of this is a Christian band 
making Christian music or this is a whatever band making whatever music. It's just, I am a Christian. This is what I'm doing. As long as it's not like conflicting with uh, the Bible or, you know, God's word or whatever, I don't think there should be an issue, you know, or you'd have to categorize it as one thing or another. Yeah. I think the, the, the biggest uh, hip hop artists that are Christians is, you know, basically reach records was the Lecrae and Dominio Tadashi, some of those guys. And over the last probably three or four years, they've taken a lot of heat because they've taken the Christian hip hop off of their, the label off of their music. Mm -hmm. And they're just Christians that make hip hop. Um, And the, one of the things that I seen on that was they were kind of like the godfathers of Christian rap, you know? So yeah. they felt like basically there's a, now all these people are like, uh, you know, Christian hip hop heads without a father now, yeah. you know? And, and, and instead of saying, instead of looking at that and going, okay, I see your move. Like you're trying to take your music into um, a kind of a bigger setting than just that small niche of a Christian a youth group or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're trying to like not go mainstream, but they have the ability to, to sing, send a single off mainstream. And then that niche turns into something much wider yeah. and you have the ability to reach more people. Well, right? anytime you start putting any kind of labels on anything, it, it like, <clears throat> it isolates you from certain stuff. So like if you were political stuff, you said, I'm a Republican, like you're not allowed to have, certain views on uh topics and it goes both ways so if you say i'm a christian artist like you almost can't a lot of people won't even listen to you like if i like for instance i don't listen to a lot of quote christian music i listen to some but uh, a lot of it it's just music that i like and a lot of people if especially if you're, if you're not a christian and somebody says hey check out this cool christian rock band like it sounds laughable most of the time it's not that good or at least that's what they're thinking anyway. Right. And I've experienced a lot of that stuff. So maybe that band was actually a good band, had good stuff to say that might have even helped that person through a situation. Maybe they got a song about a situation they're going through, could have been useful for them. They're not even going to ever listen to that song in the first place because it's a Christian band, you know, and Christian bands don't make good music and whatever. So as soon as you start labeling, and then it goes the other way, like maybe it's a secular band that they say for sure, no, we don't make Christian music. We're just a band or whatever. Well, now maybe like I had parents where it, growing up, up until a certain age, like I couldn't listen to music unless it was Christian music. So I, in fact, up until I was probably like, like 15 or so, I thought I didn't like music because the only music I was allowed to listen to was KSBJ, which I don't like most of the songs on KSBJ. And then it was Overkill. just like choir music because- right my uh, parents choir directors and stuff like that. And so like, that was pretty much my only exposure to music. So I thought I didn't even like music, which is funny if you look at me now, cause now it's like, that's like what I do. That's, I yeah. listen to all sorts of music, yeah. but it was just cause they had the label of not a Christian band, you know? Right. So anytime you put the labels on stuff, it starts isolating and it, it, uh, it kills the reach that you could possibly have for, you know, Right. Everybody hearing it. And I think that it was tough because those are some tough years for, for Christian music, especially as, as mm-hmm. a, a younger person, right? Because you did have like your worship music and those type of things that come on KSBJ. And then when they started inter, uh, uh, introducing like rock or hip hop or something like that, it was hard to listen to because they, mm-hmm. they weren't on level with the, with the rest of the music. Yeah. Um, I can remember even, you know, 10 years ago when we had our record label, we took a lot of, man, we took a lot of um, 
criticism for going and recording in quote unquote secular studios. Yeah. You know, and I was just but like, it's just it's a studio. It's a studio. Okay. Like I don't go work for a secular boss. We all do that, but I don't go, yeah. okay, he's a secular boss. I can't work there. Yeah. You, you start know? putting that, that's what I'm saying. The labels on it, it starts, it just gets weird. Anytime you start labeling stuff right. too much. So, and now that now all these guys are going into these, studios that are not necessarily Christian. And then you see some of the stuff that was elevated because they're going where people that make good music go. Yeah. Right. Um, but then, you know, just kind of to circle back around to the purity side of that, where it, how, how do we keep our children safe, um, pure in, in the construction, uh, construction of uh, construction. That's not the word I'm looking for. It was the word I'm looking for in the kind of the realm of, non-Christian music, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so much stuff out there that we either, as parents, we go, don't listen to non-Christian music, only listen to Christian because we know that it's safe, Yeah, right? Yeah. We know that it'll keep their hearts pure. We know that the things that they're listening to is not going to take them down, you know, a, a bad road. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we have to pull back a little bit and say, okay, you know, they're going to have to spread their wings. They're going to have to do certain things in their, in their life that I'm not always going to be there. Yeah, and I yeah. think I struggle with that as a, being a pastor, not putting too much pressure on my children and let them kind of become their own. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, making making sure that I am uh, making sure they know who God is and who they are in God. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, you talking about that. It's, it's, it's like gun safety, right? It's guns are not bad. Guns are a tool. Guns are something that is they're, they're available to you. They can be used for protection, but they can also be used to destroy. Um, uh, whenever we talk about how do we protect, um, how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect our kids? How do we protect the kids of our friends and family? Um, well, you teach them about it in a safe kind of way. You let them know what what the the potential for destruction, you know, is on on this. You give them the warning signs. You let them see it uh, as far as uh, the dangers that, that can come with all that. Um, and, and I think that's the best that we can do to 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 shy away from it, make it exist or make it seem like it doesn't exist. Like we live in a utopia that, well, that's not reality. That's mm-hmm. that's just that's impossible. We cannot filter everything. And and and. You know, I, I have a two-year-old son now. You you have full-grown boys now. Um, I used to have a couple small ones as well. Um, and and we uh, and James maybe sometime in the future. You know, not anytime soon. But yeah, you know, and it and it's like I don't want to raise my son with this utopian kind of heaven is already here. Heaven is not here. We are we are not, and neither is hell. This is not hell. Uh, it's probably close a little bit, but uh, it's definitely not the fullness of hell that we're experiencing right now. Not at all. That's that's going to be a real bad time. But I, I don't want him to grow up to believe like there is no wickedness in the world. And, and I kind of, some people would say I'm a pessimist at heart, mm-hmm. I guess. I'm a glass uh, half empty kind of guy. Um, I just uh, I, I feel like I just need to be real with him and tell him there are wicked things, wicked people. And 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 everything that makes them wicked, you have the potential and the capacity to be just the same kind of person. Right. You know, and not not elevating him to this area to where, you know, he can't be touched by this, but letting him know that you could be the one doing this. Um, you have to guard yourself. 
You absolutely have to guard yourself. And that's why it's so important to have a relationship with God. I know we're kind of running a little uh, short on time here, but you got any closing comments on that one? No, I would just say before we close that out, what would you tell your son that purity is? Keeping your heart and mind always before the Lord. Right, you know, because what 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 he what, what the word tells us to do, what it commands for us to do, is is give of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's how we love God, with everything that we are. Keep all of that before God. Consider your consider your actions, uh, even consider your thoughts before God all the time. And if you do that, I believe you'll be pure in His eyes. Yeah, I think we have to fix our focus. It's, it's super important that we fix our focus. You know, when, when you're looking in a, a, a telescope or a magnifying glass or whatever, we find that spot that focuses in just perfectly. And when we fix our focus on God, um, yeah, at some at times that we're going to come out of focus, but guess what? All you have to do is turn the wheel and God is still there. Right. Right. Uh, so it's important that we fix our focus. And then sometimes we have to narrow our focus into what we're really striving after. You know, if we want to be a great baseball player, we spend the time to be a, a great baseball player. If we want to be in a musician, we're going to spend the, the time to learn the beat or the, the chords or whatever those things are. And it's the same thing as a Christian that if we want to, if we want to do the things that God has called us to do, we have to spend the time, have a focus, have a, you know, something to hit, uh, a target to hit. And move forward and uh, and just surround ourselves with people around us that's going to help us bump us back on this narrow path when we get straight a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a perfect segue into this last little part, last little portion. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and play a clip for you real quick. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's only like a minute long, so so check it out. This is God's. Thing. Call him pastor, minister, or roadman. For whatever reason, he chose me. For Chris Rushing, the leader of the Aquava Native American Church and Warrior, his title doesn't much matter, but the way they worship does. The sacraments we use are cannabis, the psilocybe mushroom, and the peyote cactus. Rushing says this federally registered church membership card How long have you had this one? allows him and his 125 members to legally take these sacraments. Our medicines are anything that Mother Earth grows from her. And the Bible backs that up in many places as well. Pastor Rushing believes everything God puts on this earth is good. This is his garden where he practices what he preaches. But the medicine isn't grown here. Elders... Or medicine people are the only way they can federally transport and bring these medicines into, or anywhere. Pastor Rushing says he studies the New King James Bible, despite what those who cry sacrilege say about his church. We are a Christian church. Uh, we believe in the gospel of Christ, the gospel of truth and love that he spoke. In Warrior, Barley Martinez, WBTM 13 News. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there was, I started when I was 17, 18 years old, I started smoking weed because of a gentleman in our church that had some of those same beliefs. Mm -hmm. And it took me down just to just a crazy, crazy road for the next 10, 12 years. Um, But that is a new movement. You hear a lot of people, and you know, if you listen to some of these, quote-unquote, again, secular 
uh, podcast or whatever, they talk a lot about um, just thinking about Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, he's a very spiritual guy right now, and God's brought him through a lot of things. But if you listen to what he talks about, he he's meeting God through a lot of these different. He's big on marijuana. He's doing that that uh, those mushroom type uh, ceremonies where he's coming and you know connect with some of his evil past and say he's able to release those through this uh, God figure that comes in this ceremony type thing. So the problem is that it's super real for him, right? So when they go through these ceremonies and they're, and they're taking these different drugs, it's real. They, there is some type of higher being or whatever they feel like uh, in these ceremonies uh, releasing them and they are being released from some of these um, this evilness or whatever it might be or some of the stuff that they're 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 um, they're dealing with but is it God that's the question mm-hmm. I don't I don't read it in the Bible anywhere where God tells me that I have to take certain things to connect with him right mm-hmm. what he teaches me in the Bible is he says look if we have a personal relationship if you read my word if you pray the connection is there. Mm-hmm. Not smoke weed, not take mushrooms, not do those things. Mm-hmm. But it's about a relationship with God. Yeah, yeah. the 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 reason I wanted to bring that one up as well is because it's it is progressive Christianity. We see a lot of that happening in a lot more liberal states and here in the United States. Now that clip was actually from four years ago, right? And before the legalization of marijuana and all these other in, in these places in the United States and all that stuff. So it's just becoming a lot more accessible, right? You don't have to go to the to the guy on the corner anymore. And now there's government ran, you know, cannabis centers and all these kind of things. And 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 really this is this is soaking itself into culture, everyday life. And 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 just like we talked about music, we talked about sex, we talked about uh, these these things that are so ingrained in our culture. This is becoming a social practice now. It's something that you there's it, no different in their eyes and you just, you know, gathering around and having a drink with somebody. It's yeah, let's go smoke or whatever. And uh, I see this as well. This it's, It is a new movement. You see a lot of progressive Christians um, saying that it's okay for you to do this, and 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 they'll they'll say the same thing about sex. I um, um, Kingsley Armstrong, we all know him, we all love him. He gave us a stat um, a year ago. We we went, did a young adults conference with him, and he said that seventy percent of the young adults that are in a relationship in a church, they're all living together, they're all shacking up, they're all sleeping together, and they don't feel one bit hint of conviction conviction behind it. Um. These are traditional Christian principles that you can't separate from God. God doesn't have a uh, a gray area when it comes to some of these things. Really, all of these things that we've talked about, he doesn't have a gray area. But yes, the, yet this progressive movement is saying there's a lot of gray area in there, and it's and it's it's warring against the traditional side. Now, I'm not one for legalism. Legalism is a form of religion. Legalism is going to lead you to death. You don't see a lot of grace in legalism. But I do not discount that God has very black and white views sometimes on some of these things. And the gray areas that exist, especially for the for the progressive Christian, that is going out there to the world, and that's what the world wants to see. 
So their idea of Christianity is going to be sitting down in a drum circle, smoking peyote, trying to pursue God. And, and, you know, and that's just, you know, I, maybe it's just me and I know it's y'all in this room as well, but we're talking about labels earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that whenever Christ came, he did come to put a label on his people yeah. and those that are his and those that are not his. He drew that proverbial line in the sand. Right. And I just uh, when I when I, I first started hearing about those kind of movements, about people, about people using psychedelics in their worship to, you know, unlock this this mm-hmm. this hidden knowledge that's always out there, which uh, just a quick little note for you anytime you hear that anytime that you have somebody talking about you know we have hidden knowledge for you that hasn't been known but now it's revealed now yeah that's the beginnings of a cult Mm -hmm. god's knowledge is not hidden god says seek me and you'll find me god doesn't make it to where we have to be tripping on mushrooms to find out who he is like pastor david said he's given us his word Mm -hmm. to have that connection and I just I, I, all of these areas that we covered today. I, I I really believe that we need to have a Christian response. We need to we need to be able to know how to navigate through each and every single one of these because they're becoming and they already are a part of everyday life. So what are we doing equipping ourselves? You know, when you when you were talking about that, it just it reminded me of the rest of society right now. They're looking for the easy way, right? So. If they can, if they think if they can gain it through a, a short enhancement through drugs or alcohol or whatever, they're taking that instead of instead of doing it like God has called us to do. I mean, studying of the Word, you know, going to church, having mentors in our life, that takes time. Yeah, and it takes time away from things that we really want want to do instead of things that we really should be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we can take a couple mushrooms and we can get there and we can see God, this (laughs) unseeing God, and we can see him and we can be like, wow, that was cool, Mm -hmm. then it's just the easier way around the harder path, right? It's the shortcut through the woods. Uh, And then how many people get lost and die in the woods where they're trying to do the shortcut instead of staying on the path where people can find you? Well, I think it's like you said earlier about your focus. Whatever Whatever you're focused on, I mean, it's really important. And so... When it comes to like, if you're, if you got to take a mushroom to get, uh, to get on the same level to where you can hear what God has to say to you, the mushroom becomes your God. It's not God because, you know, like you said, he never said that we have to take mushrooms to get to him, seek me, you'll find me, all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe we should find his King James version and read it. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's got some new version. He's probably using the pages of the Bible and rolling up a fanny with those. Well, only the pages that he didn't agree with. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. Exactly. But all of that stuff, it just takes your focus off of Jesus, which is what you're supposed to be focused on. So if you're focused on, I got to get weed legal in the church, and uh, it's just, it's all a big distraction from you. And like we said, like the mushroom ends up becoming your God, the weed becomes your God, whatever it is, because that's your focus now. And so I think what you're talking about earlier about being focused, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's good. And these three subjects right here, uh, you know, I got... The Lord came to me when I was 19, and uh, he saved me when I was 19. So before that, I was playing out in the clubs and doing all that. But my, my life as as an adult for that small period of time before you know I met the Lord, it was only focused on music, on drugs, and on sex. And that was my life. That's what I was working for. 
That's what I was looking forward to every single day. I was chasing that high, trying to find something of substance, mm-hmm. something real, like you said earlier. And I, I, and I've, I, I know people to this day that are still stuck in that loop. Same playlist, same six pack, same substance of their choice, same problems. There's never a progression in your life. And, and that is sad to me. I, I think that's, that, that's probably a fate worse than death whenever you're stuck in, in a loop like that. Well, I see it. I, I, you know, I go back to the neighborhood and, and talk to some people or, or hear about them. And they're kind of like a, a, just an older version of who they were when I left, right? That there was, there's no progress. That, they're, that They didn't educate themselves. They didn't get into a vocation. They're just running that same hamster wheel around and around and around. And then they look at people like me and call me sellout, yeah. right? Because I've made something of... I've, you know, I've gained some things in this world, right? Uh, but I'm the sellout because I don't want to be addicted to drugs and alcohol no more. Still yeah. doing the same things. Right. Yeah. I think it's also important to add, the guy in the video was talking about, uh, we only use what God put on this earth. If it's here, it's all good and all that stuff. I think it's important to add. So like with alcohol, for instance, we don't think it's, it, we don't think it's right to go out and get drunk and party and make a fool of yourself. But alcohol is still useful. It's in... It kills germs. I mean, we got coronavirus going on right now. What was they said? Make sure all your germex are clean and stuff has X amount percent alcohol. Like alcohol is still useful. Um, same thing with like hemp. That's the plant that weed comes from. There's a whole lot of uses. Most of the paper people used to wear was hemp. It makes super strong rope. Mm-hmm. It's got all sorts of stuff. And also like medically, you know, CBDs you can, and stuff like that. You can argue yeah. that stuff. A lot of people are weird about it, but there's a lot of good uses for it. Sure. Mushrooms. I've even heard about with like psychedelic stuff these days. So like you were talking about Mike Tyson, uh, he's having all these spiritual things with it. I've been hearing a lot of weird stuff about people taking like really small doses of that and having these kind of, yeah. well, and not even just micro dosing, but going out, having these, you know, psychedelic experiences and it's cure, helping them with their anxiety, curing. They've got some kind of thing built up with their dad from their childhood and it's helping them get over it. And, you know, I don't know what, I, I'm not going to like say I'm like for right, having right all these yeah. ayahuasca meetings or whatever, <laughs> but I'm just saying they can be useful. And uh, that doesn't mean that you need to go tripping balls every day to speak to Jesus. Very good. I think, I think James, that brings up a lot of good points. I, I, we're so many times that we can't just say, just like we were talking about, um, you were talking about the marijuana a while ago. Like we can't just use marijuana for the things that it's probably created for because the Indians had used marijuana. People down in Mexico in some of those villages have been using marijuana for a lot of years mm-hmm. for medical reasons, right? But here in the United States, it's either all or nothing, yeah. right? Either we can mm-hmm. use it for medicine, but we have to be able to get high wherever we want, or mm-hmm. it's nothing at all. Yeah. So I think that's a very, very good point. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and it's and it's like it'd be really interesting to have that conversation with God on why certain things were made. You know, because we've all had those discussions before on what's what you can use, what you can't use, why you shouldn't, why you should, and and so on and so forth. And I think it's just going to be a real interesting conversation. God, why really did this exist? And uh, and then also, you know, how was it perverted? And I think we see a lot of the perversion nowadays on how something that God probably intended for something completely different is being used in a way that is, uh, you know, uh, warring against its creator. 
Right. Yeah. You know. I always said that I'm gonna stand on the long line to get in heaven because I got questions. <laughs> <laughs> I got questions. I need to speak to God for a few minutes. Like why this and why that, right? Yeah. Well, guys, man, it was a great episode today. We thank you for joining us here on the Refuge Project, and we're looking forward to see you next week. Stay tuned. This is the Refuge Project.